welcome back to The Guiding Light on Route 66. Um, my name is Jaime and I am the host and here we have Father Richard with us as well. Um, how are you doing today, Father? I'm doing good. Weather's changing. It was freezing cold, now we're back to warm again. I guess it's going to go back up to the 90s the next couple of days. So That is true. Summer, summer is back. Well, you have like a little a mini, mini heat wave. Yeah, very mini. At least very, very you could mini. probably like wash your car or something with it. Mini heat Why? Wave and be okay Why do you wash it? your car? We've got all that ash out in the. Oh my gosh! So that's that. That the wind has kind of kicked up. So mm-hmm. my car was out in the for a couple of days, and it was just filled with with ash. Oh, that was ridiculous. And then we also have to put the tarps back on. Yeah. Well, I think we're because the winds were the winds were in the nineties, mm-hmm. and we had to nine mile per hour, so we had to change it. But, you know, speaking of tarps and cars and whatnot, so you have any plans this weekend? This weekend, uh, I think I might go to Dodger Stadium and get some championship gear. Oh, I was, th- I was thinking more on the lines of, are you guys doing any, are you doing anything for Halloween this weekend? Oh, no. No, I've, I mean, I never been one much for Halloween. I guess in general, I dressed up more because my friends dressed up and. So what do you know about Halloween? Um, I know it's a event in which kids go and get candy freely from the neighbors and you always try to hit up the rich people's neighborhoods because they give like the bigger candy or they might sometimes give money. Um, but also Halloween is, is All Hallows Eve. It's, it's the day before the solemnity of all the saints. Right. It's, it's. So did you know that was Halloween was originally a Christian feast day? that's been hijacked by the commercial world and by those who claim that it's got satanic roots. What do you mean by Christian? Well, way back in the 7th century, Pope Gregory... <laughs> Why did you lift your eyebrows? 7th century? <laughs> yeah. At, at the end of the, the 7th, 8th century, he, he was like born in 690 and died in 7-something. Uh, my history is a little bad, so but that's kind of when it was at. Anyway, he was the first one that really looked at the whole question of All Hallows Eve. If you look at the word Halloween, it has the word hollow in it. Uh, and do you know the etymology of Halloween? Hollows. Uh, hollows is, is loosely translated to um, holy, no? Right, to make something holy. To make something holy, to set apart. To, to right, uh, to, to make a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so All Hallows Eve, All Hallows Eve it was actually something that Pope uh, Gregory Third instituted as a way of celebrating All Saints Day. The idea being the vigil, and then being the day. And, and so, it, it actually started with us. And so, it was in the local church yeah, there in Rome that All Hallows Eve began. And it wasn't until Pope Gregory IV, and you might think, oh, followed right after. No, it wasn't until like the ninth century that all of a sudden we began to celebrate universally in the church calendar All Saints Day and what we would call All Hallows Eve. So, I, I think people forget or really, really don't know the tradition of it being a Christian celebration. And the thing about making holy is us. And then the peace during the Middle Ages that got added was the whole thing about All Souls Day mm. on, on November 2nd. Uh, if you remember in the Middle Ages, we had the bubonic plague. Yes. And so, the, the whole idea of death was very prevalent. So, the idea was the fact that we would celebrate uh, those men and women who had been holy 
And then we remembered those that had died. Everyone else? Everybody else. Everybody else. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, okay. We don't yeah. know if you're in heaven or not, so. Yeah, but, but, I, but I think we forget that that's the call of everyone to be holy. Uh, and, and I think when you look at, at things, uh, it's more about the jack-o'-lanterns, it's about the candies, it's about the, uh, the satanic rituals, it's about witches. And, and I must admit, some, our, some of our Protestant brothers and sisters were the ones that kind of looked at some of those things. And, but again, when you look at the historical roots of All Hallows' Eve, it, 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 some people say it has Celtic elements, it has French elements in it, it has Irish elements in it. And it has what we would say the American touch. And so it has gone through a number of transformations. But I think in most recent days, we've been talking about the communion of saints and, and again, trying to help children, trying to help adults, mm -hmm. trying to help the church to focus in on that call to holiness, the call to live a Christ life, and to recognize that we remember our deceased brothers and sisters as well. So, it, it has a different kind of flair to it than what people think. So, Halloween is more than just about one day in the church then? It's, it's, it's several days? Well, it, well, we would say it starts on the 31st. And now I have to admit that there are some traditions that kind of add to that. So, like growing up, the 31st was always the day to celebrate children who had died. And then on... But where, where is that celebrated? Well, Mexico was, is oh, very okay. big so on that. No longer the Germans, no longer the French. No, no, that was that was so more of a Mexican. I grew up with the idea that on the 31st of October, we would celebrate uh, the children who had died. Mm -hmm. in the course of the year or whatever in somebody's family or remember those in, in our family that either had been miscarriages or had been born but died uh, very young is there a reason why they would be celebrated the day before all saints day well because you have to remember that in, in our history if you weren't baptized people would th you think you'd be in, in limbo uh, and all yeah. those kind of things so we, we never you know and, and again people have this terrible idea that they're little angels they're not saints. And, oh, and, yes. and, <laughs> you know, you have an angel in heaven, and you know, your baby has wings. I have my littlest angel. I don't know why people forget that they are saints, just like, you know, those that have entered fully into the kingdom. I guess maybe because it's hard to imagine somebody being holy or being a saint, or it's hard to imagine ourselves as being holy or being a saint or the possibility of being a saint so then you go for the next best thing angels yeah and so but see but that that but you have to people have to realize that is our call to be holy to be uh sanctified and, and so that's why you know we got the uh the you know from the movie um on the Cristeros, the Cristeros War, mm -hmm. that 14-year-old who was just recently canonized, uh, who was, who survived, not survived, but he gave his life for the faith. You know, we show it in the movie, uh, The Glory of God, I think was the one that... Uh, for greater glory. For, for greater glory. We have that. And then just recently, they, uh, I think he's servant of God. No, the, he's beatified now. Is he beatified? Uh, yeah. The 14 yeah, yeah. or 15-year-old. Acutis? Something like that, who was very much into social media and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're seeing young people. And then when you think about our early Christian martyrs, Lucy, uh, Anastasia, and some of the ones that are mentioned in Eucharistic Prayer Number 1, they were all 12, 14 years old when they died. Uh, you know, again, marriage was much younger in those days. And so, they were that being 
they were being offered as brides. So I, I think we forget that children, young men and women, uh, teenagers, but I think it's hard for us to imagine today young men and young women being saints because we always think of saints as being kind of older, more mature, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lived a, a long life and proven their sanctity. But we forget like Dominic Savio, Aloysius Gonzaga. Some of those were young saints too. In fact, some of Aloysius Gonzaga's friends never liked to play with him because it was so boring, because he always wanted to do holy things like pray the rosary or go visit the Blessed Sacrament or oh. do that kind of stuff. So it, it sounds like he needed to find some new friends. He needed, he, and they were constantly finding new friends for him. <laughs> so, you know, you, you kind of need to look at, at some of these different things. But uh, I, I, so the tradition I grew up with was children or infants on uh, the 31st. And then on the first were all the saints. If you weren't mentioned somewhere in the calendar, that was your day. And then on the second, we would remember all of our brothers and sisters who had died. And so to remember like grandparents, aunts and uncles, and, and various others. And so then the Novena. Like Coco. I'm, yes, like Coco. Yes, very okay. much like Coco. Yes. Have you ever had like an experience over in Mexico with the cemeteries as they celebrate All Saint Souls Day? I don't need to go to I don't need to go to Mexico. I just need to go to Calvary Cemetery in East Los Angeles. Oh, and they have you it forget all that, that as a child, my, almost all my family is is buried there, eh, eh, oh, with the exception okay. of my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And so all my aunts, my grandparent, my grandmother, and stuff like that are buried there. So we would always go. So when I was young, my uncle died of a brain aneurysm when he was like 32, 35. and so we would go with my grandmother to the cemetery. On, on All Souls Day. Oh. So, yes. So and you I, decorated with the flowers around the grave. We brought the marigolds. Yes, we brought the marigolds. What else would you, would you do? Uh, we did, see, our family was not into bringing the breads and all that kind of stuff. If I may, we were kind of racially insensitive in those days. We would say that those were the gypsies who would oh. come and do that. So, the gypsies would come and bring drink and food and, and all that kind of stuff and have it there at, at the cemetery. Now, we never did that, but we know it was part of our culture, but I, we would do it at home. If you remember at the, at the end of a Coco, the family's all gathering together at home. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's kind of the expression I know. More of the cemetery was to go visit the dead, draw, give them flowers, say prayers, but you would visit the whole family. Mm-hmm. So we would go to like my, aunt, my aunts and uncles that had died and my grandparents and put flowers and stuff on that day on their graves decorated and then we'd go home and uh, and celebrate or so is that an activity for november 2nd only or is that an activity that you did during november 1st to prepare for november 2nd no we would do that on november 2nd Ah. we'd always go to the cemeteries on november 2nd that was kind of our our tradition and nowadays like the bishops have masses uh different auxiliary bishops might celebrate a mass at calvary or one of our one of the catholic uh, cemeteries in the diocese yes and um so because we have many uh we're kind of like the placitas of of <laughs> cemeteries of bishops yeah. i guess oh, oh bishops yes we do because <laughs> we ordain bishops and then we send them elsewhere um there was there mass going on as well when you would go on november no, second no. or you guys would go after mass or we would have see mass is very different now like we have masses like we're gonna have mass on the second at seven o'clock at night yes so in our day you either went to the six o'clock mass or the six thirty mass in the morning the eight o'clock we didn't have evening masses and we used to do the you uh you would have an envelope 
and you would write the names of all of your deceased and you'd give a, a donation and then there would be masses for nine days and then during the entire month of November, you would remember the dead at mass. But uh, like we do now, no, that that's that's kind of new or a resurgence, uh, maybe post uh, Vatican II uh, to do some of that stuff. But mm -hmm. growing up as a child, no, that was not part of our tradition. That Sometimes there would be a special mass on uh, at the cemetery. At the cemetery, no. For we'd, that. We'd, yeah. Oh. Now there might be perhaps at Calvary or at the cathedral. Well, well in those days with Saint Vibiana's, there might be a, a special mass there. But I don't remember there being special masses other than the ones at the church our, our parish church and then we would go to the cemetery during the day mm. okay now as a your back your family's chilean right yes uh but i didn't grow up in chile so no no but have you your family have any of those customs or traditions no we we didn't have anybody that i mean recently my grandfather died in chile but i don't re we never visited during a time during november in which you know maybe they decorated so in reality i don't even know if they decorate uh the graves over there or if they have the the same uh traditions as as uh mexico mexico has yeah. now uh, just a question now do you know a lot of what we put out for the day of the dead only because of research um and and that was mainly when i was teaching with the kids so you have the marigolds you have the pan de muerto you have you know um what about candy papel picadillo? papel picado um, that's kind of the celebratory tone because the idea is to kind of create a a, a kind of party, so to yeah. say, in which you would experience that party with your loved ones who have passed away. Because on that day, there's, you know, uh, with it's not a Catholic tradition, but the understanding the understanding that the dead come back oh, to you. Oh, no, yeah, that's not Catholic. That's not Catholic. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Coco. Um, does that but that's not necessarily a catholic tradition per se um do you know why it's made out of tissue paper uh the delicacy of life yes okay just checking yes yes yeah the frailty uh, the delicacy of life yeah mm -hmm. um you also have candles set up everywhere and mm -hmm. um i mean it, it's a it is a beautiful beautiful day of celebration that i'd like to experience in mexico one day if i visit um <laughs> during that time but uh, that'd be something to do, kind of like Machu Picchu, or yeah. Um, it, I think it just has a huge significance, and I guess I have a special reverence for the dead in a way where um, ministering to families who are grieving and and having the and going through bereavement ministry training, and then uh, being able to provide um, a a good ministry to um, families who are grieving is is. Something that uh, I think God provides a special grace in. Um, I get to see my own life within their life. Mm. Uh, I get to, in, in you know, seeing the person that's passed away right in front of me, I get to kind of realize as well, life is short. Mm -hmm. What's important to me? Uh, why, why do I do the things that I do? And am I doing something that I don't want to do? And do I have to change that? Mm. Um, so, so, you know. In scripture, I guess there's uh, in the Psalms you have uh, teach us the numbers of the days, O Lord, so that we may gain wisdom of heart. Mm. And I think the celebrations with um, November 2nd, Day of the Dead, kind of help with that to kind of let us know life isn't here forever. And so do something good with it now. And 
Well, do, but do you see yourself as being called to holiness? Uh, intellectually, I mean, yes. Um, I mean, you have Vatican II that says, you know, no, the, no, 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 forget intellectually. Call. What about in your heart? Do you realize that that is your, your basic call as a Christian is to be holy? There, there is. Um, it's there. But also, I'd say it's, it's hard, I guess, to find a community to fully embody that with. Um, so, to find a community of my peers that would do something with this understanding that we're called to be holy, with this feeling that we're called to be holy. Well, I don't know if it's just your peers. I think as church, you know, as the body of Christ, as membership, I don't know that we always see that that is our call. Because I think we so, you know, we, we're so tinged by this idea that I'm sinful, I'm bad, I'm unresponsive to God's invitation, that I don't know that we see the fact that um, All, so All Saints Day, it, we can identify with All Souls Day, because we, we recognize our own mortality and that one day and we're going to die. death happens to all of us. Right. Yeah. But I don't know that everybody recognizes that one day I want to be counted among the saints, uh, I want to be called to that holiness of life. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be transformed by Christ, that I'm a child of God, and, and I keep moving. As you know, one of our Eastern Church fathers, uh, Gregory of Nyssa, says, we move from glory to glory so that the image of Christ is made perfect in me. I, I don't know that we see that very much as part of our lives. I'd blame bad catechesis on that part. Or or maybe um, also any, any kind of insistence that you need to do good things as in um you, you, the goodness that you have is dependent on your actions and only your actions and and that's not true i mean the we well no but that was a, that was a heresy in the church oh. that somehow you had to work for holiness you know a lot of times we talk about the protestants is it works or is it grace you know, justification and all that kind of stuff. But th there, there was a movement in the church for the longest time that you had to do certain things. Jansenism, yes. Jansenism, Pelagian, you know, that somehow you had to work for it. Mm -hmm. And, and we, sometimes we forget that just cooperation with God is our desire yeah. to become more like Him. And I wouldn't say that it happened back then. I, I'd say it's happening now um, when you have particular priests and bishops that insist you need to vote a certain way. You cannot vote Democrat or you'll go to hell if you vote Democrat. Um, we, we can't say any of those things. As church, we have to, you know, we're, voting's coming up. Yeah. And as church, the church teaching officially says we have to have informed consciences. The church can never tell us what to vote right. for. Right. It Just, has to be that informed conscience. But, but I, I do think so many times we look at our frailty and our brokenness and never see it moving forward to uh, being restored or being reimagined re by Christ as his own image. And so, I, I do think that, that that is part of what's missing yeah. during these days of, of recognizing our call to holiness and our participation in what, what I would call the communion of saints. I wonder if liturgy has much to do with it as well, the way we celebrate Mass or the way Mass is celebrated, simply because I can imagine, you know, I... My friend had a funeral for his, uh, a memorial mass for his mother on Saturday, this last Saturday, and he was so moved by simply the ritual of the memorial mass, um, and it was very, very moving for him and his family out in Brazil. Yeah, I think one of the things is that in, in our contemporary society, we have been taught that if you have good hospitality, good hymnody, and uh, a good homily, 
that that will suffice. Yeah, and 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 I disagree with that. Um, many of our programs rebuilt uh, divine renovation, uh, 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 the amazing uh, church, parish catalyst. They all focus in on those pieces. I'm a firm believer, but I have a background in liturgy that tells me that it, it's the ritual experience that's coupled with the hospitality, the hymnody, and the homily that allow you to have that transformative piece. And I think, yeah, the idea is to reimagine something different. Um, if I can't imagine myself as a saint, can I imagine it in the liturgy when when I'm, you know, am so engrossed or so involved or um, that I see myself as the best piece of me and, and realize that piece can actually be a saint. Yeah. Um, I think as well to the funeral, right, with my friend. He was so moved with it and uh, my... I have yet to have a conversation with it, but my thought as well was, um, wow, you know, I was able to be somebody who connected him to be able to have a Catholic Mass, which he hasn't gone to for a very long time, mm. right? Um, or I think of also the Byzantine Rite for, um, uh, the Byzantine Catholic Rite for marriage. They wear crowns. The, the groom and the bride wear a crown to say, we are now you know, I'm a king and she is a queen and, and we have this dominion over, you know, this new family to kind of go over. Well, I think it, talk, it, it, it alludes to the book of Revelation where the bride and the groom come together and, the, you know, into the new Jerusalem and into that new life, into that image of what the kingdom is all about. I'm sure also like the crown has a particular effect on the groom that would say, I'm a king now, right? That this is, I've seen myself as a king. I see myself in a picture with a king, uh, as a king, and I see myself with my bride, who is a queen, and I must act as such. And same goes, and, and that's just part of the liturgy. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no reading needs to tell him that, no priest needs to tell him that. That can just, just by yeah. the placing now, of the crown. A good ritual done well convey, we used to have a, a, a homiletics professor, uh, Charles Miller, who used to say, you know, stop talking. Let the ritual speak for itself, and the ritual convey much more than what your words can say. Yeah. So, I, I'd say, you know, liturgy definitely has something to do with how people see themselves yeah. as saints. And when it's done well, then I think a good liturgy would kind of lift up that heart and yeah. the imagination to say, I can be a saint. And when it's done poorly, then, you know, it, the graces of Christ are still present. It's just the effectiveness may be... Um, maybe less than what can be. Well, I know this year it's going to be very different because this year uh, All Saints Day lands on a Sunday, which is is unusual. And, and so I think it really gives an opportunity. Hopefully, our our preaching and our celebration will remind us of of that call to holiness. Uh, I know that one of the things I'm hoping to do at the liturgy is to do the um, the Aspergis, uh, replacing the Penitential Act. Uh, again, a reminder that on baptism the day of our baptism we were recreated and refashioned in the image of christ yeah, yeah. and then uh, the reading for that day the gospel is the beatitudes which talk talk to us about how we as disciples need to have a different vision of ourselves and of the world in order to be faithful to our identity and to our call yeah so you know it it, it, it does provide that opportunity mm -hmm. and you know having the easter candle out will also you know be be another source of you know we're baptized with an Easter candle present, a Paschal candle, that's the biggest candle in the church present, 
or um, even ourselves holding little taper, taper candles for, I think, All Souls Day, right? For where, All Souls for Day, we're going to have that. Day, yeah. Everybody will kind of receive a small little taper candle, which would be nice to in the at 7 p.m. at night to kind of see it all and um, to experience it. So that way the liturgy embodies that for them. They, the yeah. liturgy brings them to a place that they can see yeah. themselves as not only somebody that's going to be celebrated on November 2nd, All Souls Day, but somebody that can potentially also be celebrated officially in the church as a saint on All Saints Day on November 1st. Well, I, I think this, you know, this weekend that I'm hoping that our, 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 our listeners will be able to rethink what Halloween is all about. It's not just about goblins and witches and Satan and, and all these things, but it's really a reminder about how you and I are called to holiness, that we're called to be sanctified, that we're called to celebrate our life in Christ, but at the same time recognizing our own mortality and that death is the the threshold that brings us into that, that new life with Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's a, a quote by um, St. Teresa of Avila that I enjoyed so much that I, I got it on me. Um, Vivo sin vivir en mí, I live without living myself. Y talanta vida espero, and such high is a life that I'm hoping for, you know, this aim towards heaven. Yes. Que muero porque no muero, that I'm dying because I haven't died yet, right? That, that death is at door to the heavenly realms, to, to um, eternal life. Well, this would be a good time maybe to, to remind all of our listeners that uh, we have our regular Sunday schedule. So on Saturday, we'll have Mass at 5 o'clock in English, at 7 o'clock in Spanish. Will you be handing out candies because it's we, Halloween? We, no, no, we're not handing no. out candies. But we do have the Body and Blood of Christ, so if you want to come. We, yes, we do. We, we, and then on, su on Sunday the 1st, we have the 7 o'clock Mass in Spanish, the 9 o'clock Mass in, in English, the 11 o'clock Mass uh, in English, but it's also being transmitted. And then the one o'clock mass in Spanish, and also being transmitted via our Facebook and, and YouTube. Then on the second, on All Souls Day, we are going to have mass at eight o'clock uh, in the morning uh, via the live transmission. Hmm. And then at night, at seven o'clock, we are going to have our um, All Souls Day mass, and we're going to remember all those that have died this year. It's very, very sad because we have not been able to grieve with our brothers and sisters who have lost a loved one because of all the COVID restrictions and different things of that nature. So we're hoping that at least they will be represented on the altar with you know a candle and remembering their names during the prayer of the faithful and their names will be inscribed in uh, the Book of the Dead. And so we're hoping to, to be able to do that. So, and again, um, both on, on, whether you come up to Mass on Saturday or Sunday, bring, a, bring your own chair, uh, same thing on Monday. And uh, we are gonna have candles and uh, there'll be envelopes if people want to remember their deceased uh, loved ones during the month of November, we'll have that there so they can turn that in. And, but I'm, I'm hoping that we begin to, once again, reclaim Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, as a Christian celebration, not as a pagan celebration, not as a Celtic celebration, not as a harvest celebration, but uh, just a real reminder that it is our call to be God's sons and daughters, a call to holiness, and that death is the door that leads to everlasting life. But unfortunately, it does cause great pain because we are separated from our loved ones. But I'm hoping that our, our listeners might uh, pay special attention at this time to the communion of saints, to All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. 
So you can come to Mass on Halloween, you can come to Mass on Sunday, or and there's also Mass on Monday, Monday evening at 7 p.m. Come, bring your chair, bring your mask, and uh, let's celebrate a little bit together. Yes. Well, this concludes this episode of The Guiding Light on Route 66. We hope to see you at uh, one of our weekend celebrations. And thank you very much, and have a good rest of the day. It's the 30th. Wow, tomorrow's Friday already. Yes. Wow, it all begins. Welcome to November. This weekend. No shave November? No, I'm not doing that this year. This episode of The Guiding Light on Route 66 was recorded in Azusa, California and produced by SFR Media Productions. Music for the intro and outro was used with permission from Epidemic Sound. For music like this and more, please visit epidemicsound.com. For more information about this podcast, please visit www.sfrchurch.org.